Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Psalm 2. But um, Psalm chapter number 5 is where we're going to be today. And um, it's a little bit of, it's the longest psalm that we've done. But we started this series a couple of weeks ago. I uh, just called it Summer Psalms. And uh, so walking through the Psalms of Scripture and applying them to our lives. The Psalms are intended in Scripture. First of all, they are musical. Um, I'm not, but the Psalms are musical. And um, they are songs of David or Psalms of David, however you want to call that, or Psalms of people that are closely associated with David. And so there's 150 of them, but they are really in Scripture as a reset button. Um, They are refreshing. They are different in that they have a lot of emotion to them. Uh, Most of Scripture is written factually. Um, Psalms is written very emotionally. Um, There are facts in there, but a lot of times it is, this is how I feel. This is whose uh, armpits I want to chop off or whatever. Like David is very honest in the Psalms. Um, He says, these are my enemies. This is what I want to do to them. And then he always circles back around and finds God in the midst of it. But um, the Psalms are very honest. They're very real. They're very authentic. Um, They're very emotional. And so Psalm chapter number five is really no different in that. But what we've been seeking to do with these is just provide us with principles that we can go through in the summer that really give us an opportunity to refresh and to reset. Um, Let's be very honest, okay? Um, How many of you over the last couple months you've made this statement, okay? Let's see if everybody can identify with this. You've been in a conversation, you've said, yeah, it was last year. And then you're like, wait a second, was it last year or was it two years ago? And then you've said something about like, I can't remember if it was pre-COVID or post-COVID. Has anybody said that within the last couple of weeks? Like all of the days just seem to run together. I was telling something, someone something the other day, and I was like, yeah, last year, blah, 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 whatever. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, that was definitely not last year. And like you don't want to be a liar like if they go and find. It was like, oh, that was like three years ago, okay? And so um, time has been messed with a little bit in our lives. And um, Psalms is really an opportunity for us just to say, okay, during the summer, I don't want to dwindle. Um, there's one of there's two types of people, the two type of perspectives on the summer. The first perspective is, thank God it's summer. I'm not going to do anything. Like I'm I'm just going to do absolutely nothing. I'm going to lay on the couch. It's so hot. I'm not going to do anything. The other perspective is, oh, thank God it's summer. Now all of the 50 books that I've bought over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to read all of them in the first month of summer, okay? Both of those, by the way, are lies. Like both of those are horrible perspectives, okay? Like you sit there and you're like, I'm not going to do anything all summer. And three weeks in, you're bored, okay? And then if you say, I'm going to read all 50 books the first month of June, like you're lucky if you finish one, all right? Um, I love people who take books on vacation, which I'm one of them, okay? Like, like I take books that I have not picked up in years, and I'm like, you know what? Vacation seems like a great time for me to read that book or to pretend to read it. And so, anyways, but there's really two perspectives on that. So you are one or the other, and our goal is simply this, to have biblical principles that we can come back and that we can lean on and that we can learn from 
in the midst of the summer to kind of get that spiritual reset, to receive that spiritual refresh. And so with that in mind, today we are going to be looking about at a confirmation from God, a confirmation from God in Psalm chapter number five. The Bible says this, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. I told you David was very honest about his enemies, wasn't he? Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him with a shield, as with a shield. I want you to go back and look at verse number 11. I'm going to read it one more time. It's a little bit of a weirdly worded verse, so just follow along as we read. But verse number 11 says this, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Let them be joyful in thee. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for who you are. God, at times in our lives, we need just this little confirmation of who you are and what you can do. And so may we receive that today. Lord, give me the words to say. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, give me strength. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you, you have ever booked a hotel and you have received a confirmation number? Received a confirmation number or you've bought something and received some sort of confirmation number? How many of you have ever booked something or you have bought something and you did not receive that confirmation number? All right starts to get a little bit stressful, doesn't it? Okay, The confirmation that you receive is a way to give you comfort, isn't it? It's a means of coming alongside of our human nature and saying, hey, you actually did this. You actually have a room to sleep in tonight. You actually, have, you actually bought this product. The truth is, is that there is no reason why a company actually needs to give you a confirmation number. There's no reason why you need a confirmation email. Here's the, way, here's the reason why most of them do that is because it is a form of comfort. If you pay $150 on something and you say, okay, I paid $150, the truth is, is that your confirmation could be that there's $150 missing out of your account, isn't there? Okay, That could be confirmation. But that doesn't make you sleep good at night if you say, I paid $150 so that I have a hotel to stay in on my way to wherever, and I have $150 missing from my account, and if I show up, I need to have a way to tell them that this is what happens. Confirmation is there and is a means of comfort. 
And the truth is, is that sometimes in the Christian life and in our spiritual lives, we need confirmation for comfort in this life. There are times to where we sometimes feel like that maybe God doesn't hear us. There are times to where maybe we feel like that God doesn't have a plan. We sometimes may feel that God even is allowing evil to win, that God doesn't see the evil and the wickedness that is going on in this world. And so as we come to Psalm chapter number 5, as I read through, that, through this psalm this week, the words that came to my mind as I read through it was that this is a psalm of confirmation. So many times we kind of get caught up in the emotions of society, don't we? We see something like what's been going on in the world the last couple of weeks, and we maybe see riots that are going on in the streets, and we see people arguing on social media, and we see people making statements and politicians that are saying, well, let's need, we need to change this, and we need to do this, and we see all of this stuff, and the truth is, is that sometimes we can get caught up in the emotions of that. Just this morning, I told my son, I said, you're thinking emotionally and not logically. That's not to say that we ignore our emotions, but here's what we sometimes do. We have a way of making how we feel trump what is sometimes actually true. Anybody ever been there? Okay. Like this is how I feel, not always what is true. And Psalm chapter number five is a passage that has emotions in it, but it also has a lot of great truths in it. It has confirmation to run alongside our comfort. As a Christian right now, there's a little bit of discomfort, isn't there? There's a little bit of, I don't know what's next. There's a little bit of, how do I handle this? There's a little bit of, okay, I don't know what this looks like, or I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this, or I don't know how I'm supposed to have a conversation with this person. There's a lot of question marks for us as Christians. And that's where we have to come back to a psalm like Psalm chapter number 5 and say, what is God confirming in our hearts and in our lives through this psalm? So the first thing that I want you to see as I take out this plant, I'm sorry, that's why, that's why we buy fake plants, all right? Um, the first thing that I want you to see is this, is a confirmation of prayer. A confirmation of prayer. In verses 1 through 3, he says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. A confirmation of prayer. Can we just be very honest for just a second? I said honest like a Boston person, sorry about that. Honest, honest, okay, let's be very honest, okay. How many of you have, and you don't have to raise your hand, okay, just I want you to think about it. How many of you have ever prayed and it feels like the prayers that you're saying just aren't even getting past the ceiling, okay? Anybody been there? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, I will vote for you, all right, my hand is up, okay? Or maybe we pray and we think like, okay, God answered my prayer, but he didn't give me the answer that I wanted. Or God did this and now I'm not sure that I actually wanted it to happen, or whatever, Sometimes what we tend to do is we tend to look, and I want you to listen to this, okay? We tend to look at the providence and the knowledge and the perfection of a holy God as a way for us to blame him for something because we didn't get it the way we wanted to. Basically, because God didn't operate by our human standard of what we thought he should do, we assume that prayer is no longer a valid means of communication to God. We say, well, God, you didn't fix this the way that I thought you would. Can I give you a very, something that was very, very eye-opening for me? 
How many of you ever prayed for someone who's been sick and you prayed for them to be healed? Okay, anybody? Okay, hopefully everybody's hands are up. All right, we have a whole prayer sheet of that on Wednesday nights. Okay, um, and uh, I'm going to, never mind. Okay, um, I heard someone say one time, it was actually at a funeral. It was a well-known person, a uh, well-known person in ministry whose spouse died. And I don't know that I'd ever had this revelation before regarding prayer. But the, I think it was actually her son stood up and he said, we prayed for my mom to be healed of, I think it was brain cancer. We prayed for her not to have to experience the treatments that she had to face here on this earth. We prayed for her pain to subside. We prayed, and he went through this litany of things that they had prayed for. And he said, our prayers were answered. And like he just stood there for a second in silence. And he said, our prayers were not answered in the way that we thought they should have been answered but in the way that God thought that they should be answered. And right now, everything that we prayed for my mom, for her to be healed, for her pain to subside, for, and he went through the list of things again. He said, everything that we prayed for has been answered as she is now in heaven, and she's free of pain, free of sickness, free of cancer. I don't know. I've grown up in Christianity. I don't know that I would have been spiritual enough to recognize that. I don't know that I would have been able to see that, but watch this. Sometimes we think that because God didn't do it our way, that prayer doesn't work. And here's what we have to step back and see, is that a perfect God, one who is all-knowing, one who is all-wise, one who is all-loving, one who works on our behalf, one who we can go through this, one who is faithful, who is true, who is holy, who is righteous, who is loving. We can go through this list of characteristics and watch this. Just because he answers a prayer in the way that he does, that you don't expect him to, who is actually right? Who's right? God is. And in verses 1 through 3, it's interesting to me that David says, hear my prayer, O Lord. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to bring my needs to you. So here's what I want to, I want to ask you and what I want to apply, the, the way that I want to apply this. Is what have you started working on more than you have talked to God about? What have you started working on more than what you've talked to God about? Let me explain that question. Sometimes what we have a tendency to do is this. We say, God, here's my prayer, here's my need, here, here's what I have going on in my life, and if he doesn't resolve it in the way that we want to, we go to work on it. Okay, God, you didn't do that the way that I thought you should. You didn't do it in the time frame that you thought that I thought you should. You didn't allow this to work the way that I thought you should, so I'm taking it into my own hands. When the truth is, what we should be capable and faithful in doing is saying, God, I'm going to keep praying because I haven't figured it out yet. God, I want to keep coming back to you because I know you're going to do it the right way. God, I want to keep coming back to you because I know you're wise. God, I want to keep coming back to you because I know you love me. God, I want to keep coming back to you because I know that your way is best. And so I am going to keep coming back and continuing to pray because I know that your way is best. So there's a confirmation, first of all, of prayer. Secondly, there's not only a confirmation of prayer, but there's a confirmation of character. There's a confirmation of character. He says in verse number four, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, 
I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. He says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Right now, if you watch the news, which I would highly recommend you not doing, okay? But if you watch the news or check social media or any of those things, it feels like wickedness is winning, doesn't it? It feels like evil is having a heyday. And I want you to listen to this. Sometimes as Christians, what we do is that we think that because God's not handling it, we have to, okay? Well, God's not here to speak out on Facebook, so I'm going to do it for him, all right? Okay? God's not here to tell that person what, that, what he really thinks, so I'm going to do it for him. The Bible should be something that is a guidepost for our lives and how we handle this world. And sometimes what it feels like is, well, because I can't figure out what God is doing in the United States or because I can't figure out what God is doing in my family or because I can't figure out what God is doing in my relationships, that that means that evil is winning. God, this person did this to me, and so now that it looks like this. Wouldn't it be great if we began to step back and just to say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know what to do with this situation. So I'm going to give it to you. There has been something that has been going on in my life for, I, I mean, I don't even know how long, okay? And it's just been within the past couple of months that the Lord has begun to work on me and that has begun to show me that he knows how to handle this. Every time that I have seen myself or someone else try to handle a situation in my own power and in my own strength or, or manipulate the situation to appear a different way, every time I've seen it happen, it backfires. But you know what is so great? It's so great to lay your head on your pillow at night and say, God, that situation, this problem, this thing that I'm going through, it's yours. I don't get it. I don't know how to handle it. Every time I try to handle it, I mess it up. So God, this, this week, today, I'm handing it to you. When it shows its head back up, I'm going to say, God, nope, it's yours. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to handle that. And there's a confirmation of character, the character of God in this passage. In that sometimes it feels like evil wins. Maybe not even on a national scale. Let's remove the national scale. Let's go to a personal level, okay? How many of you, you say, don't raise your hand once again. But I want you just to think about this. Over the course of the past couple of years, how many of you have been personally wronged by a friend or maybe by something else, someone else? You've gone through something. You've experienced some sort of hurt. You've experienced some sort of pain. Guess what? Human nature tells you that you have to go and fix that. But do you know who is the great avenger of all evil, according to Scripture? God is. Which means this. If you've been wronged, it's not your responsibility to right the wrong. It's your responsibility to trust the God of the right. And that's hard. But his character will not allow wickedness to thrive. So first of all, there's a confirmation of prayer. Secondly, there's a confirmation of character. And then lastly, I want you to see this. There's a confirmation of blessing. There's a confirmation of of blessing. From verses 6 down through verse 12, he kind of intermingles some stuff about his enemies. But I want you to look at some of the things that he says. Verse number 7, he says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, 
and thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. He says in verse number 8, he says, O Lord, in thy righteousness, because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. He says in verse number 11, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. You want to know one of the hardest things that we have going on in our society? Is that we, as human beings, have a tendency to look to the blessings of others and compare them to the burdens of our lives. I heard someone phrase it like this. We compare our highlight reel, or everyone else's highlight reel, to our blooper reel. Okay? How many of you know what those two things are? If you watch sports, all right? Like, a highlight reel is everything that someone does that's good, okay? Like it's their best, it's their best dunk. It's their, their best goal in soccer. It's their biggest home run. It's their best defensive play in the field. We compare, and that's what everybody talks about, right? Like nobody posts on social media, I got, look at this junky car that I got. Everybody posts their new car, right? Like when it's all shined up and cleaned and everything else and everything smells great, all right? Like, and you are comparing that to your car that you've had to put 50 hours of work into and it still smells weird and it still looks awful and it still doesn't run the way that it's supposed to. You're comparing their highlight reel to your blooper reel, right? Blooper reel is what you did that messed up. It's the, it's the time that someone kicked a ball and it, and it hit you in the head and you scored in your own goal, okay? That's a blooper reel, all right? You compare everybody's highlights to your bloopers, right? And what we have a tendency of doing as human beings and especially as Christians is we look at the highlights of this world. We look at the way that maybe someone is living and we think, goodness gracious, like they have more money than I do. They have more friends than I do. They have more things than I do. They have the iPhone that hasn't even come out yet. Like they have this, they have like they have all of these things. And like I'm sitting here having to hold down the power button on my iPhone 6 so that it will restart, all right? We compare everyone else's good to our bad. And what we miss in that is this, is we miss that there are blessings that can only come from God when we trust Him. He says that let those that trust in thee shout for joy because thou defendest them. He said, may those who follow after thee, may those who trust thee, may they experience gladness. He says, he says those that are, are, will be led by me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. Would you rather have the blessings of this life? I want you to listen to this because I don't think that we separate these very well. Would you rather have the blessings of this life or the blessings of God. You say, what's the difference? The blessings of this life, and I'm not saying that people who have these things don't have this, so I want you to listen very clearly, okay? But so often we look at the blessings of this life and we mistake them as the blessings of God. We think that a new car 
and a new phone and a new job and a good-looking boyfriend and a good-looking girlfriend and this and that and all these things and a, and a cool curated social media page to where all of their pictures look the same and like they're they're waking up at six o'clock and having frothy coffee and like I'm just stopping by Speedway on my way to work and trying to get nasty gas station coffee like that we compare all of that and we assume this is the blessings of God now listen to this in this passage, David never once names a blessing of life. He says, I'm able to worship you. I have direction from you. I have joy. You've defended me. I can trust you. I'm glad. Now listen to this. You can have all of those things and not have the blessings of this life. You can have joy and not have a new car. You can be able to worship God. You can have direction from God and have the oldest iPhone in the world. But so often what we do is we look at the blessings of life and we mistake them for the blessings of God. And for some Christians, what they are missing is this. They have the car. They have the phone, they have the laptop, they have the job, they have the guy, they have the girl, they have everything that the world says that they need. And the truth is, is if you peeled back the layers, they probably, they might be missing direction. They might be missing joy. Or their joy is dependent upon those things. They might be missing gladness and worship of the Lord. They might be missing the actual things that matter in this life. Now, once again, I'm not saying that if you have those things that you don't have the same things, the blessings of God. What I'm simply saying is this. Don't mistake the things of this world as a confirmation of the blessings of God. Those are two very distinct things. And I can promise you that there will be a day to where your things of this life and the things in this life will not direct you the way that the blessings of God can direct you. And so today from Psalm chapter number five, here's what I want you to learn. Here's what I want you to see. Is that in the midst of a world where it seems like everything is so uncertain, there's some confirmation from scripture, especially in this passage. There's a confirmation of prayer. If you have things you've been praying for, don't stop. There's a confirmation of character. If you have situations and battles that you're sitting there and you're scratching your head and saying, God, why haven't you dealt with this? God, why haven't you justified this? If that's you, don't give up on God. There's a confirmation of character. But thirdly, there's a confirmation of blessing. You serve a God who more than providing you with the things of this earth can provide you with things beyond what anyone on this earth can imagine. Direction, worship, joy, gladness, blessings directly from Him. But it simply comes to those who trust Him. Those who trust Him through prayer, those who trust Him in His character, those who trust Him for the joy that only He can provide. So let's pray and we'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for the day that You've given us. God, I thank You for Your love for us. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a God who wants to confirm our discomfort. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find 
these confirmations as being something that provide comfort to us in a very uncomfortable world, in a very shaky world. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless those in this room. God, I pray that you would help them to find their confirmation in you. Lord, through prayer, Lord, through your character and who you are, and through the blessings that can come from only you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.